This is Meet the Movie Press. It is August the 24th, 2018. The stories this week, Boyle bounces from Bond, Blumhouse's Dark Universe, and Crazy Rich Asians 2, they're crazier, and they're Asian-near. Plus the week's big box office releases and the box office numbers. Stay tuned. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk, we talk movies. And now... Here's Popcorn Talks, meet the movie press. This is meet the movie press. It is still uh, August the 24th. That opening looked like I totally wasn't reading it off a pad at all. It was very, it's an old school teleprompter. Yeah. Uh, My name is Simon Thompson. Uh, I am the man in the main chair here. Uh, You can find me on Instagram and Twitter at showbizsimon. And now this show, Shock Horror, has its own Twitter account at meet movie press on Twitter. We would love to have you follow us. But not all the way home. <laughs> I know. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. A uh, couple of changes in the chairs this week. Who do I have with me? Dimitri, first of all, we know who you are. Hey, but who are fans. you? Oh, my name's Dimitri Panos. Uh, I'm here on Meet the Movie Press, and I also uh, co-host uh, Anatomy of a Movie, also to be found on the Popcorn Talk Network. There. Yeah. We talk movies. You do That's talk movies. Do. That is what we yeah. do every single Friday. Right. Uh, and uh, Scott, you look different today. Very different. Hello, Ashley. Welcome to the show. <laughs> Hi. Ashley, for those people who don't know who you are, um, I will just let you in on this in case you're wondering. That's a strange thing. Ashley is Scott's wife. Yes. Where can we find you on Twitter, Ashley? Uh, my Twitter handle is Ashley G Menzel, and I write. For We Live Entertainment. Now, you do write, don't you? I do. You don't always get credited no. for your writing. <laughs> but you do. You are actually a bona fide critic and journalist. Yes, and Rotten awesome. Tomatoes approved critic. Now, something we're trying to do on the show, actually, is, is get more representation. Because it's previously been quite a sausage fest. So what I want everybody to do <laughs> is follow on Meet Movie Press. And I want you to tell me who your favourite female film journalists are and your favourite film journalists who are people of colour so that we can invite them to be part of the panel here and you can see them on the show here at Meet the Movie Press because representation is really important perhaps now more than ever. So Ashley, welcome to the show. Thank you. I have a quick question. At the beginning of the show you said something about a teleprompter? Yeah. Do you have a teleprompter? We don't have a teleprompter. No, we don't. We have a midget with an iPad. Fair enough. But I'll take that. That's but, totally but, fine. And, but they're being represented. Don't, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, isn't it small person? Small person. If we're being PC? Actually, that's what I get called, to be honest with you. <laughs> Although I was in a lift the other day, and I was the tallest person in the lift. Now I know how Ian McKellen felt in, like, the, the, the Hobbit movies. You're trolling those high school uh, Seriously, huh? I think in, I think, no. Stop it. No. I, think, I think in all my years as an adult, I'm very, very rarely taller than any other adult. So it was kind of nice. a big deal. I diaried about it. I, I blogged about it. Okay, so let's talk about the week's uh, big releases. Uh, first of all... Let's talk about a movie that you have seen, um, Papillon, which I have not seen and is very quiet this weekend as far as a wide release goes. What did you think about that? A remake, obviously. Well, yeah, it's a remake of the 1973 film. Mm. um, And I actually saw it a year ago at Toronto. So it's Mm. been quite some time since I saw it. Um, But I think a a lot of people you talk to are going to not like it. I think I'm one of the only people who really appreciated it. Right. Um, and I think where it succeeds is in its execution of, you know, 
the cinematography. You know, it does a great job of accentuating the isolation that Papillon feels when he's in solitary. It yeah. does a great job of creating visuals um, with... There's a scene where uh, a man is executed in front of all the prisoners as they're on their knees in the mud in these uh, red and white striped shirts, and it's just... It strikes you in a way that's different than any other film. While the story drags a little bit, um, the cinematography really stands out to me. So it's kind of, again, and I'll compare this, I mean, obviously totally different films, but last week we were talking about Alpha on the show and the fact that really there is nothing out there like that. Visually, it's it's very uh, unique and, and very standalone. Um, but again, not a movie that a lot of people were kind of aware was coming out or were particularly mm-hmm. excited about. Right. Um, I mean, I was a fan of the original movie, and for those people that don't know, um, obviously this new version has Charlie Hunnam and uh, Rami Malek in the lead roles. It's getting a kind of sizable release, 400, uh, 545 locations across the US, which is not massive. Box office is not looking like it's going to be particularly strong this weekend at all. It would be very lucky to come anywhere near the top ten. Oh. I mean, um, it, it- at that kind of a location count. I yeah. Mean, that's, I mean, it's coming from... It, it, it's I've coming seen from indie Bleaker movies Street. with a larger distribution than that. Yeah. What, you, what studio is this, Ash? Bleecker Street. Yeah. Bleecker Street. Oh, right, okay. <clears throat> it's Bleecker Street. And and when you're going 500, you know, for Bleecker Street, that's that's a wide release. Yeah. Um, you know, being they, they are truly a, a, an independent studio. So 500 to them is, is, is uh, you know, it's, it's work. For them, yeah. and 500, you know, they go, well, that's a wide release. And yes, when you compare it to when movies come out at 4,000 plus locations, yeah. you know, it's a little indie. Like, they, they chose not to, 500 isn't isn't a platform release, for sure. Like, yeah. they didn't pick yeah. New York, LA, Chicago, San no. Francisco. They just went out for 500. We'll see what happens. You know, the original movie, too, is, uh, for lack of better words, languidly paced. Or deliberately it is. paced. I mean, it's yeah. and it's not a short movie. Mm-hmm. The, the the original with Steve McQueen, it's the two and a half, almost three hours long, I believe. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's an inter- it's an, an interesting exercise for Bleecker Street, and I thought it was an interesting project for somebody to even consider redoing or remaking yeah i mean i i'm i'm just quite surprised i mean for me this would have we see this happening with a lot of movies right now is if it looks like they're going to be on that level of platform and that level of release is actually they just bite the bullet and they put it out on a netflix or 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 as amazon as a as a a studio unique one i mean would they do you think have been better to have focused that uh, this as that kind of release than making it theatrical i think I mean, I understand. Or does it need to be seen on the big screen? It has to be seen right. on the big okay. screen. You know, you're gonna you're getting these views of the ocean where it's you know he's standing on the edge of a rock or mm. this big island, and you're just getting this huge panoramic view of like blue ocean as far as you can see, and you can't replicate that on even on a 70 inch TV screen. It's not going to have the same effect. Yeah. Um. So I think the best way to see most movies but especially this one you know it is slower paced but if you want the full effect of how beautiful it is the cinema is the best way to see it so yay nay somewhere in the middle Eh. i really liked it i may be alone but that's okay (laughs) a lot of people who go to see this weekend might be alone by the sounds of it i don't think it's going to be filling screens i'll go with people just invite me (laughs) but talking of, of of 70 inch screens and smaller searching 
Oh! Oh my god! Oh! oh it wow. takes place basically on computer screens, yeah. right? I really wanted to see this movie. I didn't see it. Uh, unfortunately, I didn't get a screening invite. Um, I am going to go and pay to see it this weekend because I've ditched okay. the movie pass. Um, so uh, you wouldn't be on it anyway. It would. Oh, it wouldn't be on it. I mean, wouldn't. you'd be searching for it, but it wouldn't be there. <laughs> um, but yeah, so this is a movie. Uh, it's making a lot of headlines apart from the fact that it's, it's an indie movie that is a very interesting concept uh, because it ha- is the first Hollywood thriller to be led by an Asian American, John Cho. Um, it was shot, I think, in like 13 days, five of which Deborah Messing was on set. So this is really like low, right. really low budget stuff. But is it, and it's released by Sony, is it good? You've seen it. Oh, it's amazing. Yeah, I've heard good it's, things. It's. I love movies that try to go beyond what we're used to. Mm. Um, what often happens, I find, with a lot of movies that go with a gimmick, as I would say, you know, such as Boyhood, which I absolutely hated, because um, it didn't surpass, you know, what the gimmick. It wasn't good enough to just not base on the gimmick. Yeah. So searching, in a lot of ways, you think, oh, it's going to be really hard to watch a movie that looks like it's on a computer screen. Because and- there have been other ones that haven't worked. Yeah. Unfriended, right. Unfriended Dark Web yeah. are two really good examples. This one's very well executed. It's well paced. It's exciting. It's interesting. Um, you almost forget that it takes place on a screen because mm. the way that they do it's really interesting. You know, they'll have... You're like, oh, well, how do you see things that are going on? And it's they'll have the FaceTime still open, and you'll see him walking in the background talking on a phone, and that's how you hear what's going on. Um, so it's it's an incredible film. You're not going to see – you're not going to guess what's happening yeah. in the movie. Um, and John Cho is just – I've loved him since he was on Selfie, which is something okay. that got canceled wow. a really long time ago. Oh, my God, I remember that. I loved that. It was a great show. It was yeah. a great – and it, Karen Gillian was yeah. on it, too. Oh, Scott and it, I love that show. I, it, me, too. It was so it was, funny. It was a very funny show. They should have let that show breathe some more. Right, and I think even now it would be more relevant than it was when That's it great. was out. Yeah. Um, but – yeah, so I think if you're going to bet on a movie seeing it this weekend and you're like, I don't know, I think that searching is definitely the one to go for. It's got a limited release this weekend. It's going wide um, across the United States next weekend. So at the moment it's it's in like less than, I think it's less than 10, I think it's like eight or nine theaters is actually in. So mm-hmm. probably not going to make top 10 this week, but hopefully we'll see that break in next week. Going back to, um, to Papillon very briefly, that is looking at a performance of about 1.3 to 2 million, which is very, very low. Which, even bearing in mind having a movie that is a low budget, which this did not have, that is still really not a... That is not going to make investors particularly happy in that. Let's talk about a movie that I have seen, but I know you guys haven't seen. um, The Happy Time Murders, which is probably the widest release and the biggest release this week. Um, It is going to be in the top ten. It's likely at the top it's going to challenge uh, Crazy Rich Asians for that number one movie. We're looking at box office. Crazy Rich Asians in its sophomore week is looking at about 18.6 million. These are the figures according to Box Office Mojo, so some other people uh, have it higher than that. Happy Time Murders looking about 13.5, which is actually not bad to be honest with you, for this kind of thing, and especially in R-rated comedy. Um, now, I uh, this to me, I know a lot of people have said it's like the worst film of the summer, it's one of the worst films of the year. I, I disagree with that. It is not a great movie, um, but for me, I wouldn't say it's, it's, a, it's a really great movie. It's the kind of movie that you don't have to see on the big screen. You can watch it at home. The biggest problem for me, I love the idea. I think the casting was generally pretty good. They ran out of... And the strength of this movie is is the fact that it's R-rated, is the right. fact that it's raw and it's rude and it's filth. And they <laughs> kind of ran out of filth 
halfway through and it becomes kind of a a, a cop a, a, a puppet cop human movie buddy right. movie with some tittering oh. Which so that the laughs completely get out. I'm certainly watching it with with a full crowd uh, on Monday night. There were some really big belly laughs. Yeah, you know. So, so and if it... you're a fan of movies that have jizzing puppets in, right. <laughs> I mean, this is definitely the one that you should see this year. So is it fair to say you you, you felt the movie sort of peters out? Yeah, <laughs> it kind of it kind of ran out of it ran out of thrusts halfway through. You know, it didn't deliver the climax that you wanted. Yeah. You know, it came out hard, but then it, it kind of, you know, it kind of lost limped it. Limped away. It limped away, yeah. I mean, it's got balls, you know. It's, it's certainly, it's got a lot of spunk. Um, but, you know, it just couldn't, it didn't give me the kind of the, the happy finish that I was hoping for. Yeah. Um, so you murdered it. They just didn't finish it off right. They didn't kill for it. For me, they didn't, they didn't kill it. Um, so, I mean, they banged this one out in the, uh, in the movie theatres this week. You know, um, it'll hang around for a couple of weeks. I don't think it's going to do terribly. I don't think mm. it's going to do particularly well. You don't well. think it'll mop up at the box office? Oh, <laughs> Jesus. Oh, that image. Um, no, I mean, I don't, it's not a terrible movie. It just kind of ran. I mean, if Brian had called me, I would have gladly given him enough dick jokes to have filled out the sort of fleshed out the 45 minutes that I think kind of came up short. Um, but definitely, I mean, it's not a, it's not terrible. I have a, have a couple of beers or have a smoke or whatever before, if, if it's legal in your state or country, otherwise don't, that's illegal. Um, uh, and obviously drugs are bad, so don't do them. Um, it, but it just doesn't. It doesn't really. It it just fails yeah. um, in where it really needs to c- succeed, which is being a a strong gross out comedy. That's what they sell it as. It kind of goes halfway there, and it just doesn't. It kind of loses it, which is a shame. Yeah. Um, if if they'd have done a, a better job with it, I think we could have seen a sequel. I think the chance of seeing a sequel to this is now very is very low to non-existent, which is a bit of a shame. I think. Yeah, I mean. We, when you started the conversation about you know it's going up against Crazy Rich Asians, yeah. I actually think Crazy Rich Asians is going to hold uh, probably a little bit better than some people I think might so. give it credit for. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's it, it it has this. Well, number one, it's the p- people are liking the movie a lot. There isn't a romantic comedy. Well, there hasn't been a good one in a long time, yeah. and people are gravitating to that right now. Mm. And I think it's still going to be end up being number one. And, you know, 13 sounds about right, and it could do a little lower, I think, for Happy Time. It, it wouldn't surprise me if it came in sort of at about 10, mm-hmm. uh, 10 to 11, and we see the Meg actually go up to, to second place. Um, you know, because I think that's still got a little, I mean, for a shock, it's got legs. Um, mm. But, you know, I just, I don't think Happy Time Murders is going to hang around too long. I think maybe two weeks in the top ten and that's about it. Mm. So. Didn't they start um, a studio, I don't know, I don't know if it's a studio or an, an executive company where they're actually going to, Try to keep doing these. It's like Jim. Hen- uh, yeah, it is. I mean, Jim, Jim Henson. Something. Well, yeah, they do. I mean, I, I I spend a couple of times a year. They do a show called Pop It Up, which is a show they've done around the U.S. in in Vegas. They've done it at various festivals, where it's basically taking um, actually, and some of the puppets from that actually appear in the movie. Oh, okay. and I've been to see the show, and it's basically an improvised show where people shout out things that are usually ninety nine percent of the time obscene, and they will act out scenes with various characters. Um, and this was kind of an extension of that. They wanted. To turn it into something that was a live action show, and this is where kind of the Happy Time Murders movie idea originally came from. 
Whether that will now bear more fruit, I do not know, um, to be honest with you. I mean, it really depends. I don't know the budget of Happy Time Murders, but I don't see that unless this is particularly healthy or maybe it finds sort of some sort of cult following, you know, on home entertainment. I don't know. But it's not as strong as, say, Sausage Party. Right. And a lot of people are, in the chat have been comparing it to Ted. And it, it, it is it goes further than Ted for the first half, and then it completely pulls back. Um, and I think that that's kind of where the problem is, is going to be for this. It doesn't really sustain the laughs mm. all, all the way through, which I think it really was a, is a key component of being a R-rated comedy right. is the comedy. Because yeah, otherwise absolutely. you've just got freaky shit yeah, that and, you're watching. Yeah, and Ted never pulled out. So. <laughs> Onwards? <laughs> Talk, actually, talking to, on the subject of Ted, um, uh, one of our regular viewers, uh, Jack Dennis. I thought he was going to say on the topic of something else. Oh, boy. Oh. Um, yeah, we're going to get to the news in just a second. But actually, on the to- subject of Ted, uh, Jack Dennis, uh, or Miles Teller, as we know him in the chat. Um, <laughs> he was commenting recently on a show we did a couple of weeks ago about uh, about whether or not we would get a third, a third. Ted right. movie. Right. Um, and would we see uh, maybe a Ted threequel or a Ted TV show by 2024? Realistically, looking at the box office and the decline in popularity and the fact that people are no longer really talking about Ted in general, um, I, didn't, I realistically don't think that's going to happen. And from what I know within talking within the studios, there are no plans for that right now. Um, but I think there is room for a gross-out comedy. Sure. And I think had this done well, we could have seen this maybe transfer either to a big screen sequel or something on the small screen, which I think would have been an option, certainly with the likes of a Netflix or something like you that. You know, and we, we've talked about it here. I know we've talked about it in Anatomy of a Movie, specifically when we're breaking down a comedy. And comedy today is so hard. Um, the gross out comedies, the raunchy comedies, it, it it's hard to get people in there. It's hard for them to be good. Mm. And... I, th- I think that's been a major problem. And some of my favorite comedies of this year have been somewhat sort of like hybrids. Like, yeah. you know, I really was a big fan of Game Night, yeah. which isn't a raunchy comedy, but no. it has elements of it. But there are other And also Blockers. And blockers. I mean, two of the best comedies this right year. There. Really right. good. You, Did you not like it? No. no. Oh, okay. That's, a, fine. that's fine. I'm a really hard sell on comedies. Right. I hate. I hated Sausage Party so much. I got death threats on my review. Wow. Um, <laughs> it okay. is what it is. Nice. But um, comedies are very hard for Sometimes me. Sometimes people take what we do way too seriously. Yeah, like, it's okay. Way too seriously. It's a movie about food. Like yeah. it's fine. But um, yeah, I mean that's a really hard sell for me. So I typically I I won't see Happy Time Murders because it's not for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's like I I. I should see everything as a critic, but to a certain point, there's not a, you know, you're not going to associate your opinion with mine if you want to see that movie. So why am I going to tell you it's not But being being a critic is not seeing everything. People tend to not understand that sometimes. It's also not liking everything. Because that doesn't make you... Or bashing everything. Or bashing everything. Because that doesn't make you a critic. That just makes you... An asshole. An asshole. Yeah. Yeah. But that's true. I mean, uh, people, uh, Sky in in the chat saying, um, great jokes and puns um, from the Happy Time Murders from me. Uh, I have a load um, of them. I'm so glad. Right, let's, uh, anyway, so, 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 so that's looking like that's going to do quite well this weekend. But I, I mean, it's not. Uh, if, if, I, if I if it was me, realistically, I would say actually, if you don't catch it in theaters, um, then you would probably be fine to watch it on on home entertainment, enjoying it with a you know a few brews and some buds. And that's I absolutely fantastic. So, so many movies to catch up. Uh, okay, let's move on. Uh, and if you're uh, just tuning into the show, by the way, if you're wondering who we are, uh, my name is Simon Thompson. You can find me uh, at Showbiz Simon on Instagram and Twitter. With me is Dimitri. Where can we find you, Dimitri? Hey there, you can find me here. 
here on Meet the Movie Press and also on Popcorn Talks, Anatomy of a Movie. And Ashley. You can find me on Twitter at Ashley G. Menzel or on We Live Entertainment for my written reviews. And now, obviously, we have our own Twitter um, for Meet the Movie Press, which is kind of a big deal, uh, at Meet Movie Press. So please do follow uh, and spread the word. We're going to be talking about um, a poll I put up there yesterday, um, uh, which is uh, which is to do with something we talked about on the show last week, which is about Blumhouse. Right. Uh, so we're coming back to that later <clears> on. <throat> Let's talk about the big news this week. Probably the biggest story of the week is, uh, is Danny Boyle exiting Bond 25. Uh, also, it could lose its release date. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of people are very disappointed about this news. Firstly, Ashley, what did you think about this when this broke this week? Uh, I mean, we all, we already assume that it's just going to be creative differences or the yeah. reason that's going to be cited. But um, I read something earlier that said they're actually taking the script with them as well. So I think it's definitely losing its release date right. for sure because, you know, they got to start from scratch and they're bringing back the... Um, you know, veteran writers for James Bond instead of sticking with, you know, Danny Boyle's script too. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of, when you when you have a director who does want to bring their own script, um, there are certain things that do come along with that. And obviously if you, if it's a director that has their own script, if you're another director that then joins that project, you would instinctively want to either right. completely rework or majority rework and you want to go with your own idea. Yeah. Now, talking about the creative differences, one thing that was reported this week, how true this is, we don't know, um, is the fact that there were disagreements between Danny Boyle and Daniel Craig um, about the villain um, and the type of the tone of the movie that, that was going to happen. Um, it would be a shame for me if, um, I mean, I think, the last couple of Bond movies, and I think really for the last for 10 years, 15 years or so, the problem with Bond has been the villain. You know, it's been hit and miss. I mean, I really, I mean, as much as I love Blofeld as a character, I didn't really go with Blofeld at all in the last one. I was very disappointed. Okay. Um, and I, I really like Christoph Waltz, and I love the Blofeld character. It just didn't work for me. A lot of people had a problem with uh, with the previous villain as well, which was in Skyfall. Um, so, I mean, Dimitri, when you heard this news and you heard about the creative differences, what was your kind well, of take well, on this? Well, first off, I'm a really big Bond fan. Yeah. Um, and the Daniel Craig Bonds I've really liked. I mean, there have been some stronger than others. Mm-hmm. Uh, Skyfall, I, I think of his movies, has been the best. The Spectre was good, just not as good as Skyfall. Uh, when they announced Danny Boyle in the first place, I wasn't on board. <clears throat> Forgive me. I just don't think... I don't know. I just wasn't on board with the whole idea of him directing a Bond movie. Yeah, It just didn't Why? strike me. He just doesn't seem to have that bond today and with where some of these directors have taken it. Uh, he just doesn't seem to be, he, he doesn't have the chops for the type of action that Bond is. Like, yeah. he's going to be a little bit more stylistic. And not that Bond doesn't need style within its movie. I mean, you had Roger Deakins for, for Skyfall, perhaps the most beautiful Bond, beautifully shot Bond movie there is. But I just don't. I just wasn't on board with Danny Boyle That's filming a Bond movie or even writing one. I mean, and if you're looking for directors, I was thinking about them. Oh, who, who can you get to replace him? Mm. Well, I know Christopher McQuarrie's beat from Mission Impossible, but if anybody could write, it's not, it's not going to be Chris McQuarrie. I know. It's but not going to be Christmas It's party. my wish list. Okay. No, 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 I know. But a, lot, a lot of people suggested him this I mean, week, and it's uh, Joss it's not. Whedon would be really good, too, because he gets that. And again, he's for hire. I'm not saying to go for these, but you should go for somebody that might, that, that has this type of 
action within them and they can mm. be stylistic but yet they know story they're not gonna like convolute it the, the other thing they have to worry about here too is this is more than likely going to be uh daniel craig's last bond yeah you've gotta go out with a bang like yeah. you have to you have to do better than specter you got and so you you have when you're picking a director he that person he or she whoever it is has to be right for the job. And I think, to be honest with you, on that, I mean, <clears throat> you say this is going to be Daniel Craig's last. We thought that perhaps More the last right. one was was going to be Daniel right. Craig's last one. If Daniel Craig doesn't like what's on the table, Daniel Craig can get out of his contract. Sure. I mean, Golden Handcuffs contracts in Hollywood get broken all the time. They're expensive, but it does happen. So I think if Daniel uh, isn't happy with it, we could potentially see him see him go actually i don't want to fizzle out as bond i don't want my final one to be not quite what it could be if he's not not exactly going the right direction he could potentially walk away especially if there's no pressure of a release date yeah and and i mean he is uh, probably i know he's executive producer in the last one and he yeah. probably has some semblance of a producer credit here too so they should just do it right yeah Getting so it right is the, is the main thing. A lot of people in the chat talking about this. Sky Patterson saying, uh, Danny Boyle exiting James Bond 25, so disappointing. Uh, film may be getting a page one rewrite. Either do the film or scrap it and reboot as a standalone film and move on. I think that's fair. Uh, Sky saying, would give the James Bond on the back of uh, comments about who would like to see potentially direct. Uh, Yann Demange is uh, actually, according to some of the bookies, is a favourite to, okay. to take over. Uh, Christopher McQuarrie, Catherine Hardwick, Ken Branagh, uh, David McKenzie, uh, Karen Kusama, Catherine Bigelow, or Joel Edgerton. Now, we're seeing quite a few people. A lot of those names are coming up for pretty much any big action franchise that comes up. We're seeing a lot of those other names. I'm wondering if we need to perhaps look a little bit further outside of the box and come out with something, you know, slightly different. Right. Kind of like a not John Woo, but that kind of person. Um, bring someone in who maybe is is a little bit more left field to really give it that sort of fresh shaking up feel. I mean, I, I I'm disappointed that Danny's not going to do it. I think he would have done a really good Bond. And when you were talking stylistically, um, I think something we remember most of all about Bond movies and those certain iconic scenes that we remember, it is about style. It is about finesse. It's action set pieces. And I think Danny has provided many of those, and he has the background in drama. He's also done a lot of things that haven't worked right. when it comes down to that kind of thing. So it is a risk to have him as a director, but I think he would have been really good. I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I don't think we're going to have any major decisions on this in the next couple of months. But, I mean, actually, ideally, when it comes to directors, who would you... Is there anybody that you really think? I mean, a lot of women's names are there. Yeah. I mean, we've seen all the furore over the possibility, which is not going to happen now, but Idris Elba being Bond. We're going, you can't have a non-white Bond. Could you have a woman directing a Bond movie? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I mean I, I, that I would that, be my choice. I, I, obviously, I, yes, of yes. course you can. <laughs> but would, would there be people, do you think, that would kind of say you couldn't? Yeah, of course. There's, yeah. there's, there's this divide, obviously, where people... Everybody's saying, you know, add women, add people of color, and that's fantastic, and I'm yep. all for that. But there are also people who are saying, stop, you know, pushing diversity where it doesn't belong. But I don't think because that's... then it becomes tokenism, right? And that, I don't think that's what this is. I mm, think it's no. giving women an opportunity to direct a big budget Bond movie, mm. and you know, you might actually like it. So you know, I think that Catherine Bigelow mm. and um, there's a lot of other female directors that I think could take this and make it something 
truly different and a great way for Daniel Craig to go out. And yeah. ultimately, a woman could helm it and she could oh fail, but yeah. a man could helm it. And he could fail. It's but what makes as much criticism? It has nothing to do with their sex. It has yeah. to whether they're right for the material. Yeah, right. no, absolutely. And 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 Catherine Bigelow would be great. Like ten years ago, like when she was making action kind of movies, I, I would love to see her. And and again, so long as the right person for the job, mm. and it has to be, and it should be a really good fit. Who's in with yeah. that creative collaborative process with the broccolis? As well. And again, take time in detail to make it right if, in fact, this is going to be more than likely his last movie. Because he's been so good, I think, as Bond, right from Casino Royale. Mm. He's right? been a great Bond. <clears throat> he's been I haven't loved great... everything he's done, but generally he's been really he's strong. He's been a very strong Bond. Yeah. Probably one of the strongers. And he, he, too, had all the cards stacked against him. When they hired him for the job. Oh, the hate. The hate that came out against hiring Daniel Craig. And then Casino Royale comes out and everybody's like, oh, he's so great. It's like, (laughs) but he did a good job. Well, we're going to move on from this in just a sec. But there are some other names that Sky's put forward. And one particularly actually stands out for me. And that is Jane Goldman. Okay. Now, Jane uh, is obviously a, a prolific and very good writer. Um, and with other projects that she's been involved with, they, you know, like anybody in their career, they've been hit and miss. But Jane and her husband, Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Ross, big TV presenter and personality in the UK, they are very much in touch with a lot of this. They understand the heritage of the characters of James Bond. They both love James Bond. Jane especially, I know, is, is a big fan of it. I would very much, if they're looking at either a screenwriter or a director, I think they could do, you know, Jane Goldman could be a very good bet for that. I think would be a really good option. And isn't a name that is bandied around in Hollywood that much. Um, But I think it would be, I think it would be quite interesting. And if they, I mean, I don't even know where they're setting Bond, but there are a lot of really good Bollywood directors out there. Sure. Or or Asian directors in general. I mean, Asian, sort of in a British Asian terminology rather than American Asian, which is Chinese, Japanese, etc. Where that, that, that area of cinema has people who do action scenes, do phenomenally well do some really good drama it's not in the english language it's still very very good perhaps that's a pool we could start dipping into there are people who are trying to make it in hollywood and there's also a lot of money that's coming from that area as well absolutely so i think that's an area it's a, it's a pool that we haven't really tapped that i think potentially could be really interesting okay um i mentioned a couple of minutes ago we did a poll on the the new twitter feed for meet the movie press uh, at Meet Movie Press. Um, and the poll was to do with something we you were watching the show last week, actually, right? Mm-hmm. And it was to do with uh, uh, Blumhouse. Uh, basically, to give you the background on the story, if you didn't see the show, Jason Blum had been doing a Q&A on Twitter. And people had been asking about other franchises that potentially, with Halloween coming out in October, right. um, potentially Blumhouse could look to acquire and, and reboot or revive. So I asked yesterday, in a quick 12-hour poll, uh, just to see, uh, I threw out a few ideas and see what they would uh, be interested in. The ones I threw out were Scream, which Jason seemed very favourable on. Uh, the I Know What You Did last summer right. uh, series, which he was less favourable on, but he was, you know, said maybe. Also Final Destination, which is a favourite franchise of mine. I'm a fan and, as well. And Hellraiser, which is one that people have tried to reboot and do sequels to. And it's gone horribly wrong. Yeah, Every, I watch all of them and I'm like, why do I keep doing that to myself? <laughs> 
So the final tally on that, um, and it was a very short poll, and it was a new Twitter feed, so the, so the number of votes is not particularly high. But as an, as an example, 29% went scream. 14% was I know what you did. 24% was Final Destination. And Hellraiser was 33%. I get it. What do you think about that? I think it's very interesting. I'm, I am curious why you left off Friday the 13th. Well, Friday the 13th is one that has already <clears throat> been discussed a number of times. So I, I kind of took that out because it was kind of weighted towards a lot of people going, ooh, Friday the 13th, and because that's very similar to Halloween in a, it's often classed very, very parallel. As a holiday movie. As a, as a holiday movie, yeah. as, as, a, as a parallel, as a comparative thing. So that's why I dropped that out. Because I thought instantly that would kind of skew it because I know there's already a lot of love wanted to open open it out a bit. Hellraiser, I thought, in Final Destination, people haven't really talked about. Kind of similar to Scream, and I know what you did last summer. Um, so if it was Hellraiser, if, if Jason Blum was watching the show and was like, hey, I'm going to go into the office on Friday at uh, half past ten and suggest we buy another franchise. If it was Hellraiser, Ashley, what would you think? Are you a fan of that franchise? You can totally not be. That's totally fine. Here's the thing. This, okay. this is an interesting topic for me because I am a giant scaredy cat. So right. <laughs> it's really hard for me to watch horror movies. Okay. Um, but I do appreciate them if I can get myself through them. Hellraiser is one of them I haven't been able to make myself watch yet. So okay. I can't really weigh in on that, but... The, the first two Hellraiser movies are uh, fucking terrifying. Yeah. They're, they're really, Still to this day. I've watched yeah. parts of them yeah. and I had nightmares. They're intense. So, yeah. The, yeah, I, I mean, the original uh, Hellraiser, is on, it's been on cable a lot yeah. lately. Uh, and you're right, the first two are the best. And then every and other movie after that. I do like the third one. That, the third one's the, the one last good Terry one to me. Farrell. Um, is that the one where... It's in the nightclub. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So, and then every movie after that makes all those movies look even better. Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, I think Pinhead bringing bringing Pinhead and the Xenobites back would be good. By the way, like was this our introduction into Blumhouse Corner this it week? It was. We didn't go. It Blum, was. But I'm gonna, we're going to go deeper into Blumhouse in just a second. So, but so we, this is the top step the top going step. into the cellar, <laughs> the Blumhouse cellar, where we'll find I, Blumhouse Corner. I, I think. Well, I'm. I would be all. I'm okay with with um, rebooting Pinhead. I mean, he's he's become a cult monster a really cool monster the xenobites uh this is a clive barker uh we tend to we seem to almost be in a macabre Mm. kind of cycle too when it comes to horror so we can bring that back Uh, and it can be done it can be done the way blumhouse looks at it it can be done on the cheap it can be done really smart yeah done very well with the cadre of solid uh, people out there for directing. So. Um, we're going to go deeper into Blumhouse Corner in just a second, uh, uh, but I just want to pick on something that Ellis mm. Gay has said in the chat. Uh, Tarantino should direct Bond rather than Star Trek. Do you know what? I like the idea. I really don't think that would happen. And I don't think that would be the best Bond movie we could possibly see. But not a terrible idea. It's not a bad idea. I just, I'm curious. I'm more curious about him doing Star Trek because it is so outside what we believe to be his wheelhouse. Going back to Blumhouse, uh, oh, people are suggesting M. Night Shyamalan. Shyamalan. Interesting. Uh, okay, let's talk about, uh, so Blumhouse, which movie should Blumhouse take up? Sky Patterson saying, can't wait to see Halloween. Absolutely. Uh, John Harrison saying on these choices, blockbuster classics, lol. Absolutely. Uh, Final Destination, this is LS Gay again saying, Final Destination didn't have as recognisable cast as the 
the others. No, but I think the Final Destination franchise was nothing to do with the cast. No. It was really to do with the kills and the story. And I think it kind of got a little bit, as much as I love the franchise, kind of got a little bit hack-and-eyed and, and kind of tired towards the end. I think someone who could bring that back is definitely Jason and the team. Sure. Uh, Zeno Aris saying the original Hellraiser is still damn good. Absolutely agree Absolutely. with you. Uh, LSK saying Blumhouse should be working on the sequel um, of its most recent hit, Happy Death Day. They currently are at the moment. Uh, Scream Reboot idea, your next meets Game Night in the Strangers, set in the 1990s <laughs> North California. Yeah, give it to James Wan, Alex Garland... Uh, yeah, lots of good suggestions there. Uh, and Zeno, I was saying Pinhead just got immunity in the Cohen probe, lol. I wasn't going to do any politics <laughs> this week, but that's actually quite funny. Okay, so let's go deep, 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 deep undercover, deep into. Oh. I was thinking that as well. Uh, Blumhouse, uh, Blumhouse Corner this week. Blumhouse oh Corner. God. Welcome to Blumhouse Corner, actually. Ah. Uh, okay, so Blumhouse apparently would love to raise the Dark Universe from the grave. This is obviously uh, Universal's uh, Dark Universe. They were hoping to kick off with The Mummy. There was going to be Jekyll and Hyde. There was going to be Bride of Frankenstein. All of those things are kind of in scrap right now. Um, kill it. Kill it with fire. Or let Blumhouse bring it back. I want Blumhouse to bring it back. Yeah, me too. Um, I think... You're correct. In thinking thank, of you, thank you. Thank um, you. <laughs> Aren't you happy? I am so that makes happy. Your day to right now. Yes. wrong. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, but I think that uh, you know, having Blumhouse do it, he's going to keep the the problem with the Mummy is it was way over budget. It mm. cost way too much, and it didn't make enough money. Which Blumhouse succeeds in doing, you know, lower budget. It did well keeping, overseas. It did, just not Huge. here, which is where right. you know they it wants the base to be right. for the Dark Universe. I think what we can see from him is an is a lot more of an interesting take on these films instead of just the straight Hollywood shooters. You know what I mean? You know, you have Universal makes a very different film than yeah. Blumhouse would, um, and I'm all for things being a little bit odd, a little bit dark, a little bit gothic, like. Any spin on something like that, I think, would be a really good idea for Blumhouse, and I would be more than happy to see them take over the dark. And when universe. it comes to Universal and Blumhouse and Dark and having a spin, I mean, Get Out is not an out and out horror movie, and it's not a, like a gross out horror movie. Mm-mm. But that shit was intense yeah. and yes. wildly profitable, and it was hugely effective, and it had comedic relief. Get Out fundamentally had pretty much everything that a movie should have, and it was absolutely brilliantly done. That was a really good way to test the water, I think, for Blumhouse. Now, obviously, they've got Halloween coming out as well, which is going to be them handling a well-known franchise. It's a fantastic lead-in for those guys. Dimitri, what do you think? Now, I think it's a really good idea. I, I thought the Dark Universe was a good idea. They just, I mean, please. I, I, I think I it was a good idea. Love. Yeah. They just had the wrong people spearheading it and driving it forward. You didn't have people, you know, there are many problems with the mummy. Um, one of my first and foremost problems with mm. it was it wasn't people who appreciated the classic horror movies. Mm. And I always said, you have a blueprint for to do this, and it's called Monster Squad. Yeah. And, and, and if you're going to do these kind of movies, you shouldn't have, and, and number one, you shouldn't have redone The Mummy. You should have gone with The Invisible Man or Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Yeah. Don't do something that's already been redone a bazillion times. So I think with Blumhouse, obviously we know as fans and as horror fans, they have an appreciation for the genre. Yeah. And because of their appreciation of the genre, I tend to believe that Jason Blum and company yeah. 
have an appreciation for those classics. Well, they also and how to bring them back, and the audience trusts them to to bring them back. <clears> but <throat> fuck about with them a little bit. Sure. Add something interesting in. Give it a little bit of extra context. Maybe take a little bit of the myth away. It's like the fans of Blumhouse will give them a little bit of this leeway, creative leeway, where they won't have this backlash we sometimes have. They go like, okay, I trust you. Let's see what you can deliver. And that's major, but, major plus on their yeah, side. But just going from that point, Universal has tried to do that with, like, Dracula, right? Oh, yeah. let's take away some of this, and it hasn't worked. You, if you go, if you basically, I'm not saying rehash Francis Ford Coppola's Dracula or anything like that, but stick to the basics. People like what they know, and Blumhouse will be able to do it with a twist. Yeah. So that is why I think so many people are looking forward to this Halloween. Yeah. Because they want to know what's going on and, and how it's going to translate on screen by the retconning and this. So I think with them taking over that. Number one, budgetary, it'll be safe. Yep. And I think they're just going to do a smart job. And they could even deliver PG-13 scares to get the families in. They would go off in nostalgia, and yet it would still be something new. Get the old and the young. Get Fred Decker. Get get Shane Black on there. Because they've wanted to do sequels, and you know who stopped them? They They almost stopped Monster Squad. Was Universal. Yeah. So... Well, I will get back to you on that one. A couple of people in the chat uh, saying, (laughs) Scott Boswell says, anyone like Candyman? Don't say it three times. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I love Candyman. Candyman was genius. When I was was a student, I worked in a movie theater. Candyman was one of the movies we should. I would voluntarily sit in in that movie sort of theater to watch that countless times. I love Candyman. I think Blumhouse could do an amazing job with that. Bring bring back Tony, Tony Todd. Todd bring back Tony yeah, Todd. Tony Todd's a legend. Yeah. Uh, Ellis Gay saying Blumhouse should tackle Frankenstein and actually make it scary. That'd be good. Um, some other people, John Harrison suggesting some Bond uh, directors again. Uh, Scott Scott Boswell asking, did anyone see Penny Dreadful from Showtime? Like to see a Dark Universe in that style. Great point, actually. Sure. Really good one, Scott. And Sky Patterson saying, give Dark Universe to Blumhouse Productions. This is the point that you were picking up on, actually, both of you. Uh, 45 to $95 million budget, gothic romantic thrillers, rebranded Universal Hell or Universal Horror, A-list actors and actresses, yes, please. Do you know what? I think actors and actresses of A-list, yes, good. I would be more inclined to do with what Blumhouse do and have new talent but also maybe throw in a couple of heritage yeah. actors some some of the older actors that, that, that we see I mean fuck put Lin Shay in anything and I'll turn up sure. for that I love I mean, Lin Shay can I throw something in that yeah. I think we're going to talk about maybe right after this but another thing that I think that's very important since we're talking Dark Universe and mm-hmm. Universal is that this year this season this week they just announced that they're going to do a classic. literally I just circled that we're going to talk about that next Oh, my God, it's almost like you've done this before, Dimitri. Oh Holy shit! This is incredible. Yeah, no, you're Get absolutely right. Finish, finish your anecdote. I'm just, I'm just... I just think that if you're spending time to do this, obviously Universal always throws back to their classics. I mean, Jesus, yep. this year alone... I think in September they're releasing the Mega Is Box set yeah. of every single one of their classic horror movies. So it just makes sense, but it need be done right. Yeah. That's all. I mean, it's it's. I mean, that, that by the way, that Blu-ray box set looks absolutely beautiful. Yeah. I've got a smaller version of that that came out a couple of years Me ago. Too. It looks amazing. You know, my only my only caveat with that is it's uh, it's not going to include Creature from the Black Lagoon in 3D. 
So I just I like watching that movie in three D. Yeah. Um, recently, actually, that was shown yeah. um, as part of a film series here to do with Lacma's three D exhibition. Yeah. So great. Um, but yes, you are absolutely right. Um, the classic monsters maze uh, was is the final announcement for Halloween Horror Nights here at Universal in Los Angeles, uh, which is amazing. It's something uh, John Murdy, the guy who's the creative director at Universal, I've known John for a couple of years. The last couple of years, we talked about a number of mazes that he's been desperately trying to do. This is one of them that he's been trying to do. Poltergeist, he's been trying to do. Yeah. The year before, it was The Shining, which he'd been trying to do for years. But the year before that, um, it was The Exorcist that he was trying to do for years. A lot of these classic things are really coming through, and he's getting to realize a lot of these, which is amazing. It's going to be fantastic. But also, back again is the horrors of Blumhouse. Right. With a new maze that didn't have it in Orlando last year. They're having it in Orlando, so we're getting a different one this year, which is going to feature um, Unfriended. Right. Uh, and it's also going to feature um, Happy Death Truth Day. or Dare. Oh, Truth or Dare? Happy Death okay. Day was last year. Okay. Um, so that's going to be quite interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so we'll see. And obviously there's the, the first Purge maze, which is right. going to be there. And there's the Halloween uh, 4 maze, right. which is going to be fantastic. Wait. This year is a really, really strong lineup. If you are thinking, if you've mm. never been, so have you been to Halloween Horror Nights? I would cry. <laughs> I'm getting anxiety just hearing you talk about it's it. Amazing. It's amazing. You know terrifying. we should go as a group? It's and, brilliant. Yeah, we should go. It yeah. would be, I'm telling you, if you videoed me going through something that terrifies me, it would go viral in five seconds. <laughs> okay, okay. I'm a spaz. Do you know what, actually? Actually, yes, we will. We will. <laughs> yes, we will. Thank you for offering. That's wonderful. Hey, I got, I got a whole that. bottle of Xanax. I'm good. good. Uh, don't worry, we'll, 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 we'll capture Scott laughing helplessly in the corner. <laughs> he like he, a good husband. He and, laughs whenever I get scared by something. And everybody, he thinks it's funny. And everybody else around us would be laughing too. Now, we, um, but, yeah. but going back to the classic Monsters uh, maze here, uh, what I've read about it too is they say that too is going to have like a little bit of an edge. Mm-hmm. So falling into Blumhouse, uh, yeah, it, it, it makes sense. It, it makes perfect sense. I can't sense. wait for the Universal Horror Nights. I haven't gone and some years. I'm I'm really looking forward to it. It's uh, they, it, it opens on September the 14th. <laughs> Tickets are on sale now for both Orlando and and uh, Universal Studios Hollywood. It's going to be a fantastic night. Um, and if you go on the opening night, by the way, because they have a red carpet event, which I'm very lucky to attend every year. Um, a lot of the people from the movies, including the likes of Jason Blum, um, they all walk the carpet. Um, and uh, and they often get to do some of the mazes. Nice. So if you're in line for these mazes, you may well see your favourite people from film and TV um, actually walking the line and doing these mazes and uh, pooping their pants, <laughs> which is great. They are terrifying. That's so another maze. It's, it's terrifying. That's another maze. That's a completely different, completely different event. The restaurant. Uh, next week on the show, I actually had a meeting up at Warner Brothers this week to do with a special Halloween event they're having. Yes. Um, so not to seem completely one-sided, I'm going to be talking about that on the show next week, and I'll be posting a piece they on had Forbes. A, they had a uh, very successful panel at midnight or yes. midsummer screen. Well, I, I got some. I got some really nice yeah. exclusives out of them, so I'm That's really nice. looking to, to doing that next week. Yeah, uh, okay, another story. Let's before we just go on. Um, um, there are a couple more people in the chat who have something to say on the uh, uh, Blumhouse and uh, the Dark Universe. Would love to see Guillermo del Toro and Taylor Sheridan take on Frankenstein. That's a good idea with yes. Javier Bardem, uh, Penelope Cruz, Russell Crowe, uh, Monica Bellucci, Sterling K. Brown and Guy Pearce starring. I would like to see Sterling K. Brown as Dracula. I love okay. Sterling K. He Brown. is sure. just amazing. Mm-hmm. He is so smooth. I mean, if he wasn't American, I think he would make an amazing Bond. He is so charismatic as an actor. I think he would be. He'd be great as Dracula. He'd be great as the Invisible Man. Maybe the... Seriously, Wolfman, maybe. Actually, Invisible Man. Jekyll and Hyde? 
I mean, I know there are there are versions of these that were done in black exploitation seventies uh, and eighties. Was yeah, the seventies where people did do black versions of these characters. And I'm not saying oh, let's do like a black exploitation version, but many right. of those characters he would be superb for. Yeah, agreed. Really, really good. So I'm just saying, Blumhouse, if you're doing it, and maybe Sterling K. Brown want to do it. He's kind of <laughs> awesome. He's just so so good. Uh, I would love to see John Hamm actually, maybe as Jekyll and Hyde. He could be a Jekyll and Hyde. He too Wolfman? would have the cadence. I think John Hamm would have actually he would make he would have the cadence for the Invisible Man mm. because he you know he's a vi- invisible, so it does rely on the voice, and I think he would be able to bring in that cynicism, sarcasm, and that just about I'm gonna go over the bend kind of cadence that that character really needs. What about Ansel Elgort as the Invisible Man? <clears throat> oh, well, that know. went down well. <laughs> yeah, well uh, oh, okay. I, I mean, I like the guy. Yeah, I just don't think he has that edge that you would need for that type of role. Edgar Wright mm-hmm. for Bond director? Just saying. Mm-hmm. Just saying. Baby oh, Driver 2? He could be. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> Baby Driver 2, Bond 25. That's like, that sounds like a sports score. Baby Driver 2, Bond 25. He could do uh, it. He could do it. Yeah. He could do it. I mean, I'm. I'm I'm just going to say I mentioned that. Okay, a couple of other things we need to get to in the show. We have uh, less than 15 minutes left. Uh, mentioned at the top of the show, uh, Crazy Rich Asian sequel is moving forward with uh, John M. Chu returning to direct. That film has done phenomenally well. Sure. Um, it has engaged target represented audiences and people far outside of that. And people have come out of it absolutely lapping this movie up. No real surprise to me because we know it's a series of books. Right. Um, but I think people have been very impressed by the way that this has been received. Not entirely surprised by the sequel, but I think it's actually going to help the box office by people know there is going to be a sequel. They want to get on the train now, if they haven't been on there already. Ashley, have you seen it? Yes. What did you think? I loved it. I thought it was... um, I think when you have roles that are, you know, a a specific ethnicity, that people tend to think that, oh, it's a movie just for... Asians, and yep. it's not. It has wide appeal. It's it's a beautiful romantic comedy, and the actors are amazing in it. And I'm I'm overjoyed that it's coming back for a second and probably third. I think there's three books in the series, mm. um, so fingers crossed we get three. Curious question. I, I haven't seen it yet, unfortunately. But the end of the movie. At the end of it, did you think? This is great if they don't make more sequels, or did it leave you wanting sequels, and did it leave it open for sequels? Did they close it just in case? Because I haven't read the books. I, it was, I can't read. I felt like it was closed okay. just in case. Um, right. Because, you know, there was a ton riding on the yeah. first. Yeah. Um, so I think they didn't want to do what a lot of films do, is leave it open, and then they get nothing. Yeah. Um, so I think they did a great job of that, um, but still leaving you wanting more of the actual characters instead of... You know, it's a difference between leaving you wanting more where there's a story end that's, like, not tied up, whereas I feel this one's just you love the characters so much that you want to see more of them. Yeah, I think this was Warner Brothers, correct? Yeah. Right? So, and I think what they've done brilliantly is they 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 avoided ever using the word franchise mm-hmm. even though it's three books right so you know that they can mine f- from those three books mm-hmm. but for the people who may not be familiar with that all you're aware of is this one movie so to me it's this kind of throwback to the 80s where let's make a movie let's see if it works 
And then if it works, then we'll announce a sequel. Yeah. We're not going to announce the sequel as we're, we're going into pre-production in the first movie and say, hell yeah, they're making Crazy Rich Asians, which will be out this summer, but they've already greenlit the sequel to that and the third one. No, they did this right. Mm-hmm. Let's ensure the first one works. Let audiences really like it. It it does well in the box office. Mm-hmm. It'll continue to. Now is the time. You do it afterwards. Now we're going to do a sequel. I think it's a smart play. And you don't... I think people are fatigued of franchise fatigued. And they're fatigued of hearing the word franchise. So... This is just a standalone movie. I think right. they they have to try and get it made and out in two years. I think if they leave it any longer than two yeah. years, and then obviously if they do then decide if the second one is as successful or more successful, then they have to do it. You, because a lot of this is to do with the age of the leads and it working and everything else. And I think if they leave it too long, I think the zeitgeist, the bubble might burst. And I think also because now, and this is no criticism because fundamentally it's a good thing, now Hollywood has seen that you can have casts that are strongly or predominantly Asian um, and they don't have to be household names and people will turn out if it's a good movie. It's not going to be the only one in the field when the next one rolls around in two years. And so you want to make sure that it doesn't effectively get kind of overtaken. It doesn't get kind of lost among more of these kind of True. movies because r- right now it's very unique it's very unique the last time we saw a movie like this is 25 years ago there was an asian cast that was a really a predominantly asian cast hollywood movie that did this well um and i think that the, the plus is the fact we'll see more representation the downside is the fact that we'll see more representation and so it won't be quite so unique i think that's a risk so do you think two years they two should years start winning on this perfect. yeah be- two years is perfect because they're gonna ride the theatrical wave then they're gonna write you know then they're gonna ride home entertainment so that's the various streamings mm. the, the the blu-ray netflix whatever it ends up on and by that time it'll still be in the zeitgeist uh, the books, uh, usually usually in these cases, the books end up coming back onto the bestseller list if yeah. they've fallen off, or they at least rise, uh, because now more people are interested in reading the books because they've seen the movie. So two years is, is a decent enough time. Um, I'm, certainly, I'm, I'm, I am going to make time this weekend to go and see Crazy Rich Asians, and I'm going to go and see Searching, um, which I think is, is great. Um, so that's good. Let's look at some other stuff that I think we should talk about uh, this week. We've got about 10 minutes left on the show. Uh, Top Gun Maverick, uh, some casting news on that this yes. week. Uh, John Hamm and Ed Harris are going to be going into the danger zone. Right. Thoughts? Seems right. Yeah. yeah. It's, just, it's I mean, like, oh, yeah, okay. For for a movie that I was not particularly excited about and I kind of thought was maybe a bit of a bad idea as much as I love Top Gun, this cast is making me want to see this movie more and more and more. Yeah, I mean I was I was I was so in good. I was in when they said they brought the F fourteen back. No, I mean I mean no, Oh look at all that fourteen. <laughs> so yeah, I, Isn't that I a food coloring? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um it's red dye number two, actually. <laughs> So I was in with this movie, and then after the first shot that Tom Cruise had tweeted out, I mean, if that's not the poster for the movie, I mean, I was in. And then when they kept on talking about the cast, especially when they hired, upon my suggestion, Miles Teller, yeah, um, which, you know, I take credit for. Jack Dennis is very happy. Jack Dennis is very happy. Jack Dennis is the No, but I think John Hamm, I mean... 
who are they going to play? They're probably going to play Navy commanders or teachers or something. That's great. They just do need to get, I forget the actor's name, but he's the bald guy. Slacker from 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 um Collins, yeah. yeah 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 he was he's the guy that can't this your your ego's writing checks your body can't cash <laughs> you know he's great I hope he's in it is he still alive I don't mean I mean I'm seriously curious wow I think he is uh, yeah I so think he's I think he still does conventions yeah. and then he should be in this movie too. yeah yeah he has to be you do a crossover Back to the Future Muck Flyboy. <laughs> okay you got okay me that was that one. was a <laughs> shitty joke. I'm, gonna, I'm all on that. Uh, so, so Ashley, you're um, you like this casting as well. I mean, is this Top Gun is seen as a very macho movie, and I think <laughs> they they're being very careful to broaden the appeal with this and make sure that it's even though the first movie had like Kelly McGillis and Tom Cruise and everybody wanted to be with Kelly McGillis and everybody wanted to be Tom Cruise um, and and vice versa. Um, I think the risk with this was that it could become too mo- too macho, too masculine, and I think they're trying to make an effort to to make this appeal to a broader audience. Did you have, get that? Yeah, but I I'm a really hard sell when okay. it comes to cashing in on nostalgia. So when they bring back these older movies and they're doing remakes or yeah. they're making sequels to it twenty years later or whatever it be. I am always a little bit skeptical with it because I think there, I think that it's going to coast on its nostalgia more than it's going to appeal to a new audience. That's a concern I have too. Yeah. So um, for that reason, I never get usually very excited about them. The casting makes me a little bit like, oh, you know, I really like. I'm not a huge fan of Miles Teller, surprisingly. Um, I think he's I can more, be. He's more. His performances to me are more lackluster than they are. You know outstanding sure. and i think in something that is you How know dare you <laughs> i mean he was great in um whiplash, whiplash but yeah. that's all for me so um that was a few years ago that was a while ago um jc jk simmons hasn't really done much since then either yeah uh so it's it's a hard sell for me but I mean, i'll give it one, a one I, thing... I agree to your point rarely does a sequel that over 10 years yeah let alone 25 the, Rarely does it ever work. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, and it's a little bit more, I guess, for nostalgia for me. This one, they seem like they're getting the right folks together from the director, from the cast. Um, female leads, we haven't really. I was going to get to on. that next. Yeah. We haven't heard a lot about <clears throat> women in this cast. And Kelly McGillis, it wasn't a, I mean, obviously Meg Ryan as well, but it wasn't a female heavy cast last time. There seems to be a little bit of silence on the women. Now, whether they're, they're obviously having conversations. We know there are female women, uh, female women, female women, female women women. from from the department Uh, of redundancy. We know there are going to be uh, women in this um, as characters. Um, We haven't heard much on casting. So whether, well, I'm sure we'll find out soon. It tends to be casting a bit of a sausage fest right now, um, which is not entirely unexpected, but I am curious to see who they'll put in. I don't know whether they're looking to bring Kelly McGinnis back in, in some kind of way. She doesn't do a lot these days. Um, You know, she's fundamentally stepped back from the scene, but, I, I mean, I'm, I'm again torn on the whole nostalgia thing, whether you bring her back or whether you don't. I don't know. Um, but we'll see. But it has been a little bit quiet. And uh, Scott Boswell asking in the chat, actually, any news on the actual Top Gun story? I mean, aside from the fact that it involves planes and drones. And Maverick. And Maverick. That's kind of, mm. and a son. 
that's kind of all we know right now. Right. So I think we'll probably hear about that. It's coming out next year. Yeah. Um, so I think we're probably going to start hearing a bit more about this later this it, year and early next and year. And I'm okay with knowing less. Yeah. So I'm, I'm good with that. I'm looking forward to whenever they, 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 they pop a teaser trailer on us. Uh, I don't know, like I said, I, I'm I'm in. I like the director. The cast has been very intriguing. I like it. And, and to your point, they've probably hired the women. They're just waiting for the right time to, to just to release. I'm just wondering if uh, whoever they hire is going to play Ray's mum. Who's <laughs> <laughs> Ray's mum? Who's Ray's mum? I don't, I don't care. Know. Okay, cool. We've uh, we've unfortunately run out of time. A couple of other things I want to mention very quickly, and we'll get oh. yays or nays on. Uh, James Gunn's secret horror movie is going to be mm-hmm. opening in November. Yay, nay, excited. Did you know much about this? That's because it was a secret. Uh, Lena Dunham <laughs> is joining Quentin Tarantino's I'm Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I don't. I'm not. A I'm indifferent. Lena Dunham fan. I'm. I'm. I'm indifferent on that. It doesn't make a big deal. We don't know what she's playing. And the Predator box office tracking. Uh, Shane Black sequel is aiming for a thirty million dollar opening weekend. Hey, I'm gonna get this in early. I think it's gonna be thirty five to forty. I think it's gonna over index. I think it's thirty five I mean, to forty. I yeah. think that's low. I think that that's playing at Toronto. Right. So that's going to be a big indication. I think after the screenings at Toronto, you're going to get a more a better idea of what the box office is going to be my, based on but, what comes out of it. But my take on that is you're not going to go to Toronto and not have the goods. Like they're oh, showing they've done that. Oh, they've done that. They've done they, what was the one last year? Uh, the current war, it was uh Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, but see, I never even heard of the current but war. But it was like one of those like it's going to be the sleeper hit and blah blah blah. Yeah, but but, but, but okay, what I'm More getting like a coma hit to be honest yeah, with you. Yeah, it was did you say it? It yeah, was incredibly I, boring. No, I okay. But again, even going into Toronto, never heard of the movie. This is a movie like Halloween. Like, look, Blumhouse is not going to show Halloween to Toronto yeah. unless they have the goods. Fox is not going to bring a movie that has the pedigree of The Predator with Shane Black unless they believe in it. it they're not trying to sell the movie. Yeah. Right? This is all about publicity. So I I, I think it's going to, I don't know. I think it's going to over-index 30. Talking of Toronto, we didn't get to do a rundown. You are going to be there. Yeah. Uh, Scott is going to be there. You're also doing Telluride. Very, very quickly, yes. top three things that you're looking forward to most. Oh, it's really hard. Uh, Telluride, you actually don't find out the schedule until you're there. What? Yeah, so you don't know anything that's going to play there, but it's usually stuff that plays at Toronto. Um, personally, there's different ones that I'm looking forward to. Halloween? Ones actually, no. Halloween? No. Halloween. <laughs> I will see it, and Scott will probably text Halloween. you and say I was a mess. But um, <laughs> I think the biggest ones we're going to look at are going to be Life Itself uh, from Dan Fogelman, mm-hmm. who does This Is Us. It, everybody is telling right. us you're going to cry. I've been hearing amazing things about that yep. movie. Yeah. Um, Fahrenheit 11.9, Michael Moore's new documentary. Yeah. Um, that's going to be big. And then I, it's going to be a toss-up between, you know... The Hate You Give and A Star Is Born and a few other ones that have that major, you know, either appeal or it's the casting that's going to really sell it. I personally am looking forward to Wildlife, which is Paul Dano's uh, debut directorial date, you know, Mm because I love Paul Dano and I think he's got a really interesting... Hollywood hasn't known what to do with him for way too long. He's fascinating. What was the one he was in for the um, Beach Boys? Um, Oh... 
Oh, a couple of years ago. Yeah. Yeah, with John Cusack. Oh, and that those. was amazing. Yeah. So, Nobody saw it. I'm all for it. Nobody saw it. <laughs> um, well, hopefully we're going to keep in touch with you guys while you yeah. are away in Toronto and, uh, and Telluride, which would be amazing, which is great. Uh, and I'm afraid we've run out of time. Um, so we'll go along the line and we'll say who we are and um, what we do. Okay. Uh, ladies first. Ladies first, ladies, Ashley. I guess. Okay. Um, I am Ashley Menzel. You can find me on Twitter at Ashley G Menzel. And I'm on We Live Entertainment for my written reviews. And thank you for joining us this week. Yeah. Well, we hope you'll come me. back. Yeah. Nice. That'll we be awesome. Your way. Uh, Dimitri. Hey, Dimitri Panos. Uh, you can find me here at Meet the Movie Press. Uh, also, Popcorn Talk Network's Anatomy of a Movie. Please support me on Twitter at dmovies1701. That's at dmovies1701. And my name is Simon Thompson. You can find me at showbizsimon on Twitter and Instagram. And now this very show has its own Twitter. Please follow, please share, please get everyone you know, everyone that you follow and follows you, tell them about at Meet Movie Press. Thank you so much. I will be back next week. Dimitri will be back next week. Scott will not. We will have someone else in the chair this week. But thank you so much for watching the show. Like, subscribe, tell everybody if you like this show that you like this show and they should like this show too. (laughs) Have a great weekend and thank you for joining us. Thanks everybody. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) From producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek and the entire Popcorn Talk Network we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments be sure to visit popcorntalk.com I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network. The views expressed herein are those of the host only and do not necessarily reflect the views of its owners or principals.